Welcome to the podcast, Energy Medicine, where we are aligning your mind, body, and spirit with energy-based modalities. With your host, Dr. Mary Sanders, a medical intuitive and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Today on Energy Medicine, I will be joined by Prema Lee Gorari, a leading Vedic astrologer, energy healer, and oracle to visionaries, and lifelong yogini and award-winning author and creator of your Sacred Wealth Codebook. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Dr. Mary, and I invite you to visit my website, www.drmarysanders.com, to download your free gift to boost your energy centers, to experience more clarity, purpose, and vitality. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to today's show, listeners. I am super excited. I have a lovely, lovely, lovely guest for you today, and her name is Prema Lee Gureri. She's a leading Vedic astrologer, energy healer, oracle to visionaries, and a lifelong yogini, an award-winning author and creator of your sacred wealth code book, Oracle Cards and Journal, Unlock Your Soul Blueprint to Purpose and Prosperity. And let me tell you, listeners, I received my set of the book, the Oracle Cards and the workbook last night in the mail. And I'm super excited to start working through as Prema has gifted me this opportunity to better understand my archetypes when it comes to showing up in my prosperous way. But for those of you listening, I really want you to understand that Prema knows, I mean, she really knows on a cellular level and experiential and personal level, how uncomfortable it is to allow yourself to be seen for your gifts and then to lose everything and wonder if you're on your true divine path and then to question what all of the challenges were really for and what do they mean. And it really wasn't until she faced her own shadow side head on and healed it and used the unique gifts that we've been talking about, the soul blueprint and the the sacred wealth codes, that she finally discovered what living in alignment with a wealthy life really felt like. And for her, I'll let her share the story, but she always says it feels magical. So she's devoted her life to helping other visionaries unlock their high value gifts divine purpose, and deepest inner guidance so that they can heal into wholeness and create their wealthiest life ever. And the podcast for today, the title is Focus on Your Gifts and Heal Your Shadow. So Prama, first and foremost, my heartfelt gratitude. Thank you for being you, number one, and taking the time out of your busy schedule to be a guest on the podcast, Energy Medicine. So I have to personally ask, because I don't know your personal journey, but share with us, I know experientially you've been through a lot. So what have been your ups and downs about being in alignment with your divine path that you want to share with me and also the listeners here today? So this is a story. First of all, thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's really great here to be with you and with everyone else. I share the story more in detail in my book, Your Sacred Wealth Code. But, you know, I was really dealt a lot of challenges from early in life. And, you know, a lot of us can say that. okay. but when we look at my Vedic astrology chart, we're looking at somebody who has a lot of planets in the spiritual houses, which are the hard houses. And this is, you know, on a soul level, I 
obviously chose to work with some of the challenges in the physical world so that I could be more connected with my own divinity and my own intuition. And that's what a lot of my early experiences sort of pushed me to. Like there was no adults around in situations there should have been. And so the only voice that I could rely on is the one that was coming within. Now, I did not think of it that way when I was young. I didn't think, oh, here's my intuition. There would just be an answer that would arise or a door would open, so to speak, or the right person at the right time when I just was like, didn't know where else to turn. So I learned very early in life that turning inward was really where my answers are. And the core of my purpose is really living from the inside out and supporting other people to do that as well. And that inside out journey was both encoded as my soul journey in my, and I look at that through Vedic astrology. That's just a tool to be able to look at one soul blueprint, as I like to say. And then I'm going to fast forward to, I had a yoga and healing art center. This was I opened the center in 2002 and I had it for five years. And this was a big healing arts center. I had practitioners there. I was training teachers. I had two big yoga studios. I was also trained in therapeutics and yoga. I developed my own heart-based yoga system. I was also doing Vedic astrology. I was seeing private clients. I was running the whole business. I had four kids and uh, I was doing way too much. Okay. So I was wearing very, a lot of hats. And I always say, you know, if I'm coming back to another lifetime, I'm just going to say, I don't know, because I said, I know too much. <laughs> and, and therefore, I, um, I, I know too much. And I ended up with too much on my plate. So even though I felt like I was really on my purpose, and that's something I've been guiding people through, since I can remember it in one way or another, I was not fully bringing the prosperity home to me. Now, I granted, I had a six figure business, but not enough was coming to me, high overhead and, and lots of things. So I went through this whole time of really questioning, am I on my purpose? And if I'm not, or if I am, why, why am I not connecting this physical world support that I need? And I'm providing a lot of physical world support to a lot of people and community and a lot of things. So I was really brought to my knees trying to hang on to the center and sell it, turn it into a nonprofit, bring a partner in, all kinds of things. And it wasn't until one day when I was opening the door for a very early class and I heard it again, like, you need to let this go. So me, I'm clearing my patterns. I'm doing my energy work. I'm letting everything I got can go. Well, no, no. I got like, no, you need to let this whole like brick and mortar, this whole thing go. And I had just lost my marriage and this was just you know, a dark night of the soul. It was an on your knees moment. And so over the next month or six weeks, I went through what I needed to, to dissolve the center and even getting out of a very difficult to get out of lease. And, and I was able to do it all. And I just vowed to stay on my knees until I figured this out. So I really took some time, dove into the Vedic astrology, the energy work I do, really trying business, trying to understand where the dots weren't connecting. And in Vedic astrology, there is a scientific print. Well, Vedic astrology is, is built on science. It is an energy medicine in itself. Okay, we'll get into that. But there is something called Dana Yogas and Raja Yogas. There are where certain planets come together in one's chart that show us where their purpose intersects with their prosperity. And I really looked at that deeper. And what was revealed to me during that time is this is where your highest value gifts are. And also where we can see where our shadow is 
in reference, we have a lot of shadow, a lot of gifts, right? But in reference to our purpose and our prosperity, purpose being our inner mission and prosperity being, you know, our ability to be in the physical world and move within this world and prosperity and wealth is very different and unique to each and every one of us. So the Sacred Wealth Code was born during that time. And that body of work has evolved over time into it's got archetypes. What I love about the system and what it showed me during that time is where I was stuck in my shadow. And when we can release ourselves from our shadow, we are literally freeing up our energetic currency and our ability to be more in our gifts. Because the only thing that keeps us from being in our gifts is part of that energy of your gift, your divine gifts being locked up in the shadow. So in doing the clearing work and really befriending my shadow, which is a lifelong relationship. I was able to come out of that time and rebuild my business actually mostly online. And this was a long time ago before Skype was kind of a new thing back then. And then I had two teenagers at home. Um, I had a Brady Bunch family. So I had just my two at that time and was able to create a pretty thriving business in a pretty short period of time that has continued to evolve. And that's one of the things that I help creative visionaries do is get their work out in the world, whether it is a business or whether it is their personal mission, a book or just their, whatever it might be. Yeah. From I first want to say thank you. I know it takes a tremendous amount of vulnerability to share those ups and downs and challenges and those heartbreaks that we've experienced professionally, especially when you know that your intention is in alignment with something that is much greater than yourself and that you're of service to other people in such as your healing arts facility. So that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing is, listeners, I hope that you heard Prama talk about she developed her intuition as a mechanism of a mode of survival. I think intuition is available to each and every single one of us as a tool for receiving information. And she happened to be in an environment where she was not supported in a way that she needed to be. So she had to develop and to access these intuitions. And thank goodness, right? Because she turned them into her strengths and she stepped it, which has allowed her to step into where she is today. And I have to say, even in spite of the hardships of going through letting go of the business that you committed your heart and soul into, the beauty of it or the silver lining is that it took your healing process and transformed you into another depth that you probably would not have gotten to if you had stayed within that healing arts center. And then it helped you or created the environment or the space for you to do the book, The Sacred Wealth Code. So, wow, what a journey. Yeah, very much so. And just one thing I wanted I wanted to share there that I think is really important. And I'm just tapping in with your audience and really hearing this loud and clear. So if you're going through a dark night of the soul, and that is when you really are trying everything in the outer world, but things are crumbling and they may feel like they're crumbling internally as well. But really, there's no place left to turn. The divine is turning out all the lights out in the outer world so that you will be accessed and resourced internally at a deeper level, maybe than you have, even if you're somebody who's very much aligned that way. So just know that there is a gift in that. And the best thing to do, and I've walked a lot of people through this, including myself more than once, uh, is to lean into that and really reach for the gift in that time. So that's number one. Number two was that what I realized is I was really stuck in a particular part of my shadow 
that had to do with the fact that I am very proficient in the physical world. And so, I mean, I've run companies. I I'm a great administrator, but if you're an administrator, which is one of the sacred wealth code archetypes, and you're not administrating, you're not taking, it's a leader position that is instructing others what to do. So you're creating more of a team as opposed to doing it all yourself, which I was doing. Um, That was a real shadow, but given my upbringing, I was born and brought up in some challenging situations. I mean, I had great times as a kid too, but to be very independent. So I had to relearn interdependence. So that was part of what I had to reincorporate and grow into in my own evolutionary journey. And that was moving past my shadow. Hmm. I love the fact that you're speaking to the listeners is that, you know, if they are going through this transition to lean into it, And Prima, I'll share, because you're being so vulnerable and sharing your story, I'll share that I went through a period in a transition in my life where I had no choice but to blow up my world, very much like yours. I walked away from, um, I sold two businesses that I had committed 20 plus years of my life into, and I sold our home and all of our earthly possessions to move to the other side of the world to follow my husband in his professional career to Ho Chi Minh city, Vietnam. And when I leaned into it and I surrendered and said, I don't know what this is all about, but it's bigger than me. That when I woke up on the other side of the world, I had no earthly understanding as to who I was. I didn't know who, why I was on this planet. What was my purpose? What are my next steps? How do I align with my essence? Those were like, you know, life shattering questions that I was dealing with. And I think that that's normal when you do lean into that kind of a transition. So I want to hear more about these archetypes that you keep referring to, because you talked about your administrator archetype, and I know that you've done my archetypes as well. For the life of me, I'm trying to recall what the first one was, and it was so aligned with what I was feeling at the moment. Maybe you can talk about the archetypes a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to back up and, and give the archetypes a bit of an intro here in that The Sacred Wealth Code really helps you to understand, again, what your divine gifts are related to your purpose and related to what wealth is for you. And wealth, in my definition that I align with, is it's everything you need to fulfill your purpose. And that is very different for each and every one of us. In Vedic astrology, there are four purpose houses, starting with the first house, excuse me, three purpose houses, starting with the first house. There are three wealth houses, which is a starting with the second house. There are three relationship and three spiritual houses. We can find anything within the chart. As far as really understanding what your gifts are connected to your purpose, the liberation in that is that if you're really using your divine gifts, which becomes very natural, you already have a PhD in in your divine gifts, then you are very much so aligned with your purpose and aligned with your prosperity. And I lay that all out in my body of work in my book and and such. But I was going through really helping people understand, okay, what your gifts are. And for instance, like your first archetype happens to be a perceptual, purposeful connector. Perceptual and purposeful because of where it's located in your chart connector, because Venus, the planet that it is and what it represents for you. So 
when the archetypes, they literally kind of showed up and started to download after a few years. And I was so grateful for this because archetypes are a soul language. And in a soul language, each and every one of us can interpret it on its own. So I can say connector, which is one of Mary's archetypes. I can say messenger. I can say communicator or the strategist and a different story opened up for each and every one of you. And it might open up differently on a different day. So they do have a description to them and the book and the cards or if you get a sacred wealth code reading. But I was so grateful when they showed up because it's a timeless language that you will interpret to your internal reference system in a way that you can understand at any given time. Within that, there are certain sets of gifts and shadows that go along with each archetype. It is, I want to say, a short list, meaning that you might find related to those gifts and shadows, you know, it might be even more unique to you. But I like you to think of your archetypes as guides. And that they are here, they're accessible to you and a lot. And I have a whole body of work and meditations and such in a journal. And they all have free resources that help you to connect with these archetypes that are your archetypes. One of the other archetypes, you have many archetypes and literally your money archetype is the strategist. And as I said, wealth is different for each and every one of us, but there is a place specifically where I'm going to look for money, where it's really a place of acquisition. But of course, money is a common currency of exchange that we all use. So you have a very, very strong, wise, intuitive strategist because of where it is, the planets that are placed with it. So you're going to, you know, you're going to strategize because of that from a more of a depth and an, an intuitive level and a depth of wisdom. You're going to go in for that information where somebody else might have that strategist in a different part of their chart and it may be super practical or it may be, maybe they're going to do it more in a relational way. Interesting. Very Interesting. And again, when it comes to Vedic astrology, and I'm just going to ask this question because I'm thinking it and I'm thinking that the listeners are also thinking about it as well. I'm familiar with some of the Vedic principles when it comes to health and well-being. And I'm familiar with the westernized kind of concept of astrology. So, but I don't really understand. And I do believe that there's a difference in where your son sign shows up in Western astrology versus Vedic astrology. And it seems as though there's a planetary single shift of planets. And I may be wrong, but I'd like to hear more about the alignment of the planets and the differences between Western versus Vedic astrology. Absolutely. If you don't mind. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to geek out a little bit here. So Vedic astrology comes from India. It has been around for over 6,000 years. It came from the some of the oldest spiritual texts, the Vedas. Now, you're all familiar, most likely, with Ayurveda, which Deepak Chopra made very, very popular here in the West and, and Mary's alluding to. So Ayurveda is translates that Sanskrit word, translates to the science of life. Jyotish is the... Sanskrit word for Vedic astrology. And that word translates to the science of light. So Vedic astrology, in essence, we are looking at the light and how that light animates you, each and every one of us. So the different planets have different qualities of light and are in different alignments when we are born. But I'm not just watching when we're born. 
and I have free updates on YouTube. I, I'm watching, okay, what's going on in the heavens now? And how is that pinging? How is that lighting us up in different ways or casting a shadow? So Western astrology looks at the tropical zodiac. Vedic astrology looks at the sidereal zodiac. It is the same sky. It is the same zodiac, so to speak, meaning that, you know, we've got Aries, we've got Taurus, Gemini, we've got all the same signs, okay? And all systems have their value. Let me just say that. But Vedic astrology being the sidereal zodiac, is the true placement of the planets. So what I mean by that, so currently, if we look up into the heavens, Jupiter has just moved to Aries. Through a telescope, it's going to be in the constellation of Aries in Vedic astrology. Tropical zodiac, Western, is not looking at it that way. It's typically a sign ahead. And we also calculate the beginning of the first house a little bit differently. So what ends up happening, which is just in my world, this system is what I find most accurate. It also is incredibly deep because we have many, many, many layers to look at one thing, almost like you could put something in the middle of a glass mansion and walk to many different rooms and go, oh yeah, looks like that from here. looks like that from here. Well, it doesn't look like that from here. So let me go over to that room and let me reconfirm here. So I love the depth of it. Okay. So Typically in Vedic astrology, if you are a, like Mary happens to be a Libra ascendant. So in Western, you're probably a Scorpio ascendant. It typically falls one Mm -hmm. sign back, but you have a very strong Mars in Scorpio. So there is a lot of the Scorpio energy is, is very relevant. And that's your strategist is there. Me, I'm at the very last degrees in the Western system of Aries as far as where my son is actually, and I'm not even talking your son. And so I, that stays in the same placement in the system. So most of the time, the, and also the ascendant falls back. Also, we are not looking at, okay, what's your son? Yes, we are. It's like the third thing down the line, but you remember the sun only moves once a month. We're looking at your ascendant is what we're reading the chart from. That is the beginning of the chart and the moon we're reading the chart from. That is your consciousness and that is how you feel about things. So we're looking at those two first and they move quicker. So this is going to define us even more so, let's put it that way. Then let's go one layer deeper. Um, this is a big, huge difference. So we've got, we've got the same constellations up there in the sky and there are no lines in the sky. Okay, they're just these... <laughs> Rashi is what a sign is called in Vedic astrology. And a Rashi literally means a heap of stars. Okay. So that's a constellation. But behind the constellation, there are so many more stars. And in Vedic astrology, we reference those stars as constellations, so to speak. They're called nakshatras. They're called lunar mansions. And those nakshatras are, again, they're behind there. So we're not just looking at, okay, well, you have a sun in Cancer, as you do, Mary, but yours is in Pushan. And what does Pushan mean? And we're going to go deeper into what that is. So here we come in and there's mythology that goes along with that. And my sacred wealth code archetypes reflect the mythology of the Vedic system, but in English and Western language, because that's where I mostly read and speak from. So that was a whole bunch of geeking out for you guys. And I'm hoping that answer, does that that answer give you more of a bearing on on what the difference? I love (laughs) 
geeking out. I think that that's a beautiful term. And I think that that's just an opportunity for us to absorb and to integrate more information. And the whole reason, Prama, that I asked you that question is because you started to talk about and to allude how archetypes can show up differently depending upon where it shows up and what house for the individuals. And so I, I wanted the listeners to really embrace that even though you're breaking it into different categories and there's three levels in each of the of the categories that it's going to be unique where I may have one archetype and we view it this way, but another person can have the same archetype and it's viewed differently. Yeah, very, very much so viewed differently. And that's a big piece. Now, I just want to say one other thing, which is Vedic astrology is a science. It's the science of light. It is based in the Vedas. It's been alive for 6,000 years. It's used currently. It's been used for everything from predicting the weather to arranging marriages and every which way in between. And so it's a very, is very, very much alive. Let's just put it that way. And it's very traditional in that. And one of the things I just love, and Mary does this really well, and a lot of her guests do this well, is bring the science in behind spirituality, behind energy medicine. So Vedic astrology is based in science, but it takes an, reading it as an art, it takes an intuitive sense to be able to read it. Otherwise, you're just going to spout off the principles of what a sun in cancer, you know, you have a sun in cancer, you know, but we need to interpret it. And what does that actually mean for each and every one? And the sacred wealth code is one of the interpretations as far as that goes. And I mean, I just do, you know, full readings in different ways. And I also do, you know, a lot of healing work and the healing work, again, looking at the shadow or physical stuff. And we can see that in the chart, but I'm also as, as Mary is, I'm very much of an intuitive. So this is my take the way I express the work. And I love that each intuitive has their own interpretation. So you can gather bits of knowledge or nuggets that you can then take away as a spirit being fully embodied in their human home as to how you choose to show and to manifest that expression. Yeah, very much so. And one other thing is I take in high responsibility is that I am never going to give people information that is challenging or whatever without giving them the counseling on how to move through that because the way I'm wired up and the way once I really understood my gifts, yes, and I'm an intuitive. Yes, I work in these upper chakras and and the, you know, the Vedic astrology is a lens to look through there. But then a lot of my work is helping people to really be able to come to their hearts, trust themselves, find their own answers. And I create a lot of resources in my programs and things around that. And then it's coming down to that third, those lower chakras. Are we past our shadow enough to actualize what's coming through? Okay, well, then that's where we need to do the clearing work and the healing work and then finally coming down to practical action which is based on one's own inspiration that comes through and which I'm happy to support and give tools to support but it is that pathway from the inside out and that's a full expression of my gift so I don't sit and do readings all day long I do readings and I work with people over a period of time on some and some it's it's momentary but I'm very interested in helping people then walk that path of what I've helped shine the light on for them. That sounds and feels so empowering. And I use that word for a purpose because I think, you know, oftentimes people look to astrology as a predictive nature to guide them, you know, tell them what to do versus allow them to come from within, as you said, take the information from the upper chakras, allow the download to permeate down into the more physical lower chakras to then 
guide them into the physical manifestation. And that takes an internal knowing and trusting your own personal intuition. It's not disempowering. You're not giving Prema the power to be able to say, this is your capacity. This is what's going to happen. Prema is providing the insights and the tools and the support to allow one person to really step into that essence and to empower themselves. So thank you for doing that. Very much so. And the truth is, is we don't need more information. Look. Clarity is power, absolutely. And sometimes we need more information to get to clarity. But we are on information overload. And even about oneself. I mean, you can go online and you can read about human design, astrology, guidance, what else? You know, everything. What do you resonate with? Number one. And there's value in all systems. But why are you even attracted to that? As far as giving information, I want you to know what you can do with that information. That's really important to me. So whether you were to pick up my book or my Oracle cards or whether you were to get a reading or whether you were to join one of my programs or listen to a podcast or an update or whatever, there's lots of different ways to tap in. And I'm always going to give you some useful how-tos on how to move through things. I don't, how do I want to say this? It's not my intention to predict, although I can. But I believe prediction at some level robs people of their ability to choose because in any given moment, I'm seeing uh, quite a few timelines and which one you're going to step into based on my intuitive sense and what I see in your chart and what's downloading at the time is just one possible choice for you. I'm always have the intention of holding the highest possible timeline, the highest potential. And that's really my goal in giving any information or energetically working with somebody, which I'm always doing. It just get, even when I'm speaking with somebody, when people want to know that that predictive nature, there is nothing wrong with that. But please understand your if someone else is predicting for you and this is completely 100 percent my opinion, they are tapping into one possible timeline. Mm-hmm. And we have many available to us. You know, the old disco floors. I'm old enough to say that. I just turned 60. God bless me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, that you could step on one part of it and it would light up. And then you, from there, you could step on another part and it would light up. We're always at choice. So you can make any choice. There's no wrong choices. You can always make another choice. Can you make some that are better than others? Yeah, possibly. Absolutely. But there's always another set of choices for you. I really want people to to really be able to develop and tune into what is the best choices for them at any given time. Now, you could look at someone, and I'm sure you do, Mary, and you all do listening, and go, well, why don't they just do that? My gosh. I mean, it's obvious to all of us. Well, their soul is going to take them on a circuitous journey to pick up different parts of themselves, to bring them back to wholeness on their spiritual path. And we're never really off our path, but we may be on the tumbleweeds on the side, we might be hitting the fence, we might be in the gravel, we might just be in the ruts that are from this, you know, a little closer to the center, but we want to get on that smooth stretch of highway. And when you're in a bumpy place, that's your soul trying to bump you back on your path. So we're, sometimes we have to go over there to gather up a piece of ourselves that we would have never. And so if you keep finding yourself in the same lesson, in the same shadow, bumping up against the same thing, take a moment. Maybe, you know, instead of just, you know, blasting through, you know, the same old way with a hammer and a nail, just one tool, there's something in that for you. So and also don't judge another person's path, even though it might not look like 
it's that they're really accessing the timeline they need to. So it's always my intention to help you to actually gather the parts up of yourself that you need for your highest potential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love how you say that. And for me, when I'm sitting there listening to the trajectory of the path, it's always there are so many different choices, as you outlined, I mean, that happen in a given day that we always get to, at least I find myself in a, in a humble way saying, the choices I'm making today, are they truly in alignment with my highest good? And do I need to pivot? Because I don't want to keep making these bad choices for, let's say, a week or a month or six months. I would rather pivot or realign myself to be in alignment with my highest good. So I love the aspect of various different parallel lifetimes or versions because we can't dictate what version or what path a person is going to take. So I love that you shared that with us, premise. I, I, I think that that is an important part that people get to take accountability for in this journey. Yeah, I really do. Absolutely. And in many ways, look at it all is being a healing journey, you know, and the mm-hmm. sense of healing to wholeness. And if we can really embrace the fact that we really are where we are meant to be in this given moment, even if we might be saying to ourselves, okay, I was here five years ago and obviously I need to be doing something different. Okay. Well, maybe we just haven't gotten it yet. And we can be a little bit more compassionate with ourselves. We can really reach into and out to the, the healers and the healing modalities that resonate. I always look at it as, you know, we're these beautiful braided ropes and there's parts of us that are frayed off. And as we become aware of those parts that are, are frayed off, that are keeping us maybe from moving into a certain area or attracting the love in our life that we want, or really being able to express ourselves through our work in the world or create that financial abundance that we want, that it's really identifying these pieces, the beliefs underneath them, whether we're dealing with something physical, whether we're dealing with something that's more on the emotional level and being very compassionate with these younger parts of self from this life, maybe another life that I've just been frozen in time somewhere that bumped out of our energy system and that we want to be able to weave them back into our wholeness. And for whatever reason, this dimension is very interesting that way, that we come in quite frayed, you know. Uh, But I think that if we didn't, we probably wouldn't quote unquote, need each other as much as we do. And we all know that a human baby cannot thrive without being held. We cannot be in isolation. We do need to be connected in with, we were never meant to do it alone, Mm -hmm. never meant to do it alone. And the more compassion we can give ourselves and also receive from others on just where we are at this point in our journey and ask, okay, so what now is ready to be reintegrated for where I'm ready to go next? Hmm. And no, I agree with you that we are not designed as humans, okay, spirits living in within the human body to do it alone. And I think that that is one of the dynamics as we witness other people on their healing journey. And as we are self-compassionate, as we're on our healing journey, and we have to trust in the overall premise that at any given time, all of us are doing the best that we can with the tools that we have available to us at the moment that we're in this path coinciding and existing together. So I love that. I mean, it's, it's, and as you say that, I just am reminded and just very quickly of what, of in my upbringing, my mother made some choices that made my sisters and I feel abandoned at a certain level. And we're three girls, two years apart. And we we could have a hundred people in a room and see the same instance. 
and we could all see it very differently. But the three of us had a pretty compatible story. Okay, so we were like, okay, maybe this actually did happen this way as we grew up and everything. And and then my mom literally had like she had written another story for herself because obviously that story was too painful for her. So she was doing the best she could at the particular time. And, and from, I could just see this as a young adult and on my own spiritual path. And this was just part of the process. And it was wonderful because my sisters and I all came into our own relationship of healing with her, but without her, like we just did our own work and we were able to have a a relationship with her where she was, we were incorporated in each other's lives. But the reason I bring this up is also because when she passed away really unexpectedly about 10 years ago, I noticed all the beliefs that and patterns sort of that I held about who she was dissolved. Like there was just this whole perceptual quality. And as I tapped into who she was in the moment of her and now and in the moment of her passing, I watched my sisters be very much in grief as normal. And my emotional body was in grief at a certain level. But I also noticed how that, again, there was so much about her and what parts we played in each other's lives just sort of just dissolved. And so I'm just called to share that, not exactly 100% sure why, but just holding each other's story or our interpretation of our stories of others lightly, because we just don't always know what the divine plan is in it. And am I getting what I need from it? Am I giving what I'm here, you know, in this contract to give from it, give to it? And I do a lot of work with people in relationships. And, and it's, and how can I take this less personally? Mm-hmm. That's a big one, because in relationships, you know, we want to make it all about me, even if we don't think we do, we do. <laughs> so um, how can we take those? How can we take it less personally? And what is really the what is really the highest, again, potential of why we've come together? in these relationships. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those relationships close and then we're just sort of done with them. And then sometimes they're because of family or whatever, they're longer term and there's more parts of yourself that are available for healing because of that. And because I did a lot of my mom spurred off and my relationship with her spurred off a lot of my evolution. Mm-hmm. There's so much wisdom to unpack, you know, to unpack with what you just shared with us. I can think of at least two or three more episodes on the podcast just to speak about contracts. Really, I mean, you know, let's let's do one on energetic contracts yeah, first good. and foremost. Yeah, yeah. That's a big one. You and I have had some life experiences to demonstrate that there is a concrete contract that we make with souls, other ever other people as we come into this lifetime. That's one component I'd like to dive into. And then how we can do healing within ourselves to dissolve any discordance that may have been generated from a relationship, such a primary relationship with a, with a parent, a mother or a father or a brother or sister. And then so much wisdom in there, Prema. I do think that we're going to have additional opportunities to dive into this information. And for now, for today, listeners, I know that you're <laughs> you're sitting there thinking, 
Prema seems like she's a wealth of information, and I'm here to guarantee you that she is, as far as being able to source Vedic astrology and to be of a resource for you. And as far as being a healer and an intuitive, she steps into those roles and those strengths that she's cultivated with her life experience and with time. So there are many different ways that you can reach out and connect with Prema, and I will include all of the information in the show notes. But Prema, is it okay? I mean, well, I should ask you, what is your preferred way of being contacted? You know, my, my website, solutionary, S-O-U-L-U-T-I-O-N-A-R-Y.com. You can reach out to me there. You can find me on social by my name, Primly Gray. I'm on YouTube. Any which way is great. I've got lots of free resources and gifts, even a sacred wealth code quiz on my website and you can get an archetype. So I provide lots of stuff for you just to reach into and get more of a taste if you like. Oh, that's wonderful. And is it's my understanding that you also offer um, ceremonies every month based upon the full moon. And that information can be found on your website as well? Yeah, it can. I do full moon sacred healing circles and I do them on the full moon and they have a flavor of, again, that finer, not just like we just did one for uh, relationship activation and healing, not just because it, the full moon in Vedic astrology was in Libra. That was the lunar eclipse. That was a whole other energy, mm-hmm. but because of actually where it was in the lunar mansions and have bringing that flavor through and my healing circles are very much mantra sound healing energetic healing we're weaving again parts together it's the soul group that shows up that sort of drives on a guidance level drives mm-hmm. drives that healing opportunity it sounds and feels very luscious. That's the word that I want to use when I hear you and tap into that frequency. So listeners, um, some of you may be driving. So I'll spell her website is www.soulutionary.com. So Prema, I know that she has a very big and beautiful open heart and she'll be very happy to connect with you. So make sure that you listen to or reach out to her. And before we go our separate ways, Prema, I just, once again, thank you so much for stepping into your light and into your radiance and being the beautiful human that you are and inspiring others to step into their light as well. So thank you for being you. Alan, thank you for being you. I mean, you are such an inspiration here and you're bringing in so much light and healing and so much appreciation for having this time together too. Much gratitude. And for those of you listening, please stay tuned for this short message and we will be right back. You have been listening to the podcast Energy Medicine, where we are aligning your mind, body and spirit with energy based modalities. For more information about Dr. Mary Sanders or our podcast, please check out our website at www.dr.com. MarySanders.com. Thank you for listening.